Hey, hey, this is Chase Masters and host of Disco Nights inviting you to join us every Sunday as the disco party continues with our fabulous guests. Like us. Like us. Like you. And you, our audience. So we'll see you here next Sunday night. Bring your disco shoes. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, co-host of Inglorious Trexperts. If you're a Star Trek fan who thinks you know everything about the history of Star Trek, check out my best-selling two-volume oral history of Star Trek from St. Martin's Press, The 50-Year Mission, available wherever books, digital, and audiobooks are sold. This is not Sean Connery, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't listen to the 430 Movie podcast at 430movie.com. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And this is Darren Doctorman, and we are the Inglorious Trexperts. Welcome, Darren. Good to see you. Well, it's good to see you as well. You just we got have... back from an exciting trip to uh, Ticonderoga, New I York. I just got back from the Star Trek original series set tour, and boy, are my arms tired. Well, have we got a great episode for you guys today. Obviously, in honor and celebration of, of uh, Valentine's Day, we're going to do Star Trek's greatest love stories. I felt something was wrong. It was necessary. Come back to the planet with me. You can belong again. Come back with me, please. I can't. said that six years ago and I can't seem to stop repeating myself on earth you couldn't give anything of yourself you couldn't even put your arms around me we couldn't have anything together there we couldn't have anything together anyplace else but we're happy here I, I can't lose you now Mr. Spock I can't I have a responsibility to this ship. There's love stories in Star there, Trek? There's love. There's even kissing. Kissing? My nine-year-old son is not too <laughs> thrilled about that, but uh, for the rest of us, it's it's very exciting. And Just keep uh, going the way you're going. You'll like it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> the apple. <laughs> we, we, have, we are joined today to celebrate uh, it's love, love, love. Now, that's... Galactica. Galactica. Uh, we have some great guests. I'm, I'm thrilled that um, joining us from our sister podcast, uh, Disco Nights, Alexandra August, who's a writer for CBR and Screen Rant. Uh, she hosts her own Star Trek Discovery podcast, uh, Disco Trek, and uh, Alexandra August. Hello, everyone, and I am a huge, huge, huge fan of romance on Star Trek. Well, welcome. Oh, you're one of those. Oh, yeah. Okay, <laughs> gotcha. Now, he's finally joining us. We had to wait to to, uh, to bring out the big guns, the guns of Navarone. But the God of War is here, the <laughs> ultimate, the ultimate Trexpert. We're the Inglorious Trexperts. We have the Inglorious Trex. Not only does he own every photo novel and every original poster, in book, mint condition, he had in a mint condition. <laughs> he had a Star Trek bar mitzvah. He got us beat by. 
at least 12 parsecs, <laughs> if not more, whatever that means. He's the Citizen Kane he's of Star Trek fans. Yes! <laughs> yes! He's yes, a, I want a new intro. He's a legendary <laughs> film critic. He is the movie reviewer for... Um, Collider. Uh, for Collider. <laughs> and, uh, and it's a shame we don't have any time today. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and he is here with us to talk about love. He walked on Star Trek. <laughs> and the amazing thing is, is Scott Mance you know, walks among us. <laughs> Alexandra, you you are you are a big fan of romance on Star Trek, but really when it comes to when it comes to Star Trek, I feel like the first thing that comes to mind for most people, it's not the love. It's not the love stories. It's not really the romance. It might be like the time travel episodes. It might be like the Klingons, it might be the Romulans or whatever, but or the Enterprise. But the fact is that the love stories and the romances on Star Trek have endured for 50 plus years, as we are going to talk about on Inglorious Trexperts right now. <laughs> Today, Inglorious Trexperts is the ultimate Trexpert. And by the way, I have to say, you finally have me on. I'm like, why don't they ever ask me to come on? What are they waiting for? I love talking about Star Trek. We're really? waiting for love. Love. We're waiting for Valentine. Celebrate the love. Waiting for oh, wait, fan fiction. Star Wars. One of the great things about this subject is because the theme to the original Star Trek is a love song. Mm. Well, the theme, the theme written by uh, the w- lyrics written, you know, yes. I say that in quotes by Gene no, Roddenberry. He wrote the them. He absolutely wrote them. Uh, they were without the permission of uh, Alexander Courage. <laughs> oh, yes, okay, right. But he wrote them, and <laughs> it is a it is a love sto- uh, a love song beyond the rim of a the starlight. starlight. Uh, we'll My love is wandering in starflight. in starflight. Yes. I know he'll find in star-clustered reaches love, strange love a star woman teaches. I know his journey ends never, his Star Trek will go on forever, but tell him as he wanders his starry sea, remember, remember 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 me. Well wow. done, Mister. I had to go. Very, very. I, I'm impressive. like going on the web to try and find the lyrics. Oh, Meanwhile, see? you're just like reciting them like that. Like that. <laughs> that is a deep cut, Mister. I'm very impressed. It's the deep. Some sometimes it's the deepest right cut of all. <laughs> <laughs> well, fortunately, those words never made it into any uh, 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 audio version of it. Thankfully, although but, I think yeah. Jack Black did a recording of it. Did he Jack really live? Yeah. God bless Jack Shatner Black. should do it. No kidding. That, that would that be would great. Be awesome. You know, I mean, the reason that I feel like that was even written in Shatter's voice, like if you think about just the grandiose nature of this star, please, someday, please, baby, baby, please. Uh, So yeah, um, the reason that Gene Roddenberry wrote those lyrics is because basically uh, he wanted a piece of the publishing. So even though Alexander Courage wrote the um, music, the music by Roddenberry writing, this was pretty common back in the '60s and '70s. I mean, Glenn Larson, you know, has a publishing credit also on the Battlestar Galactica theme, and uh, you know, wrote some of the songs like "It's Love, Love, Love." And uh, Roddenberry, you know, wrote the lyrics so that he would get a piece. It's like residuals with actors. Every time the Star Trek theme is played, not only does Alexander uh, Courage get a piece of the publishing, but Gene Roddenberry did, and that actually proved quite lucrative. And unlike the residuals of the era, they didn't stop. Right. You know, music uh, royalties uh, were in perpetuity. So uh, he made quite a bit of money over that thing that probably took him about 30 seconds to jot down uh, on a napkin somewhere. Well, 
I don't know how long it took him, but I, I do know that it took Alexander Courage a long time to get over that. Yeah. Because yeah. it was, was a, it was a big it. surprise. <laughs> yeah, I have to say, though, it's fairly, sadly, it's fairly common, you know, particularly, sure. Sure. you know, in the era. You'd find, if you look at a lot of these classic TV themes that we know, they, you know, have weird, usually it's the creator of the show with a composer, and they don't know a lick of music and have never written any other songs right. there's, in their life. There's, they're lyrics to Bewitched, right? Right. Like, Bewitched, Bewitched, Samantha got- is a witch. And it's not great. Like, you don't want to hear it, but yeah. No like, way. Wow, this is very educational. You've got spell, Bewitched, yeah. Bewitched, that's how you do so well. Something like that, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's great. So does I Dream of Jeannie. What are the, what are the lyrics? Jeannie, fresh as a daisy, Jeezy, Jeannie, how she amazed me, something like that. That actually makes sense. That yeah. makes more, I would have loved to hear that. Oh, talk I about a tangent. But there is a wait. ship looking for <laughs> Earth. Oh, wait, no. Trying to find a planet Earth. Silence, are out to get us. So, love stories. Yes, love stories. Well, look, we're going to talk for Valentine's Day. First of all, let me ask... What you're going to get your paramour or a more, uh, like what's a great Valentine's Day present? Um, I, I, tribbles? No. Um, <laughs> what, what, Scott, what, what's, what's the best Valentine's Day present for our audience? You know, if you were going to try and impress a, uh, someone with a wonderful, lavish them with a token of your affection, what would it be, Scott? Uh, what you mean, a, a Star Trek tone of affection or sure. just, just a, uh, sure. uh, Oh or man! Chocolate. You know what? I would get them the the uh, the plants from this side of paradise. Oh, the spores! Shoot the spores because a they're plants, they're flowers. B they spread love, <laughs> and uh, you know what more do you want uh, for a Star Trek fan? To, you know to have a Star Trek reference, to have a flower, to spread love. I mean, come on! It sounds uh, like this way to eat, though. It, it, though the, you're going third, late third season. <laughs> you know, you're totally uh, taking away the joy of the first and second season here, especially the first season. The that episode track. was directed, by the way, "The Side of Paradise," written by Dorothy Fontana, directed by Ralph Sinansky, who directed some of the most sensitive episodes of Star Trek, including my all-time favorite, which I am not ready to talk about yet because I will get to it as one of the great love stories okay. on Star well, Trek. Hold that thought. What, would hold you remember? What the original title of uh, The Side of Paradise was? Uh, the Way of the Spores. Very good. Yes, sir. You win a set of steak knives. <laughs> Alexander. Which is also a nice gift for Valentine's Day. <laughs> what uh, What about you? What's your... Um, what, what do you what, what's the either a gift you like to give or receive in the Star Trek milieu? Couple of nights in the hollow suite. Oh, oh staycation on DS9. Nice, good <laughs> choice, goodness. good choice. Right off the top of your head, Alexander. Oh, Very I've thought nice. about this for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Darren Doctorman. You know, I I think that the greatest gift that you can give to a loved one is to try and help them enjoy Star Trek as much as you do, to share your joy in whatever aspect of, of fandom that you have and to try and imbue them with some of the excitement and love that you have. Like you did with John Kim a few weeks back on the show. Well, we'll see the results of that seed that was planted. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I think that the best way is that you can share a part of yourself by sharing what you love. Now, and the question for that for you, Darren, is that if you're going to share share Star Trek with someone who is not really into it or or sort of just knows about it but has never seen it mm-hmm. and you want to just sort of them to get the idea the general idea of what it is that you love about it without getting too deep without showing an episode that like maybe fans will love more than than casual fans what would be an episode or a couple of episodes that you would show someone to say okay 
This is what I love about Star Trek. Watch this episode. Trek 101. Right. Um, I think, you know, the obvious answer is uh, uh, the fan favorite Trouble with Tribbles because that has humor. humor. It has it has all our characters acting, you know, very uh, uh, correctly as mm-hmm. they usually do. Um, and it has uh, it has intrigue. It has a fun story. It has um, the only love money can buy. That's correct. <laughs> there you go. Well, except if you're uh, uh, a lithium miner. <laughs> um, but hey, uh, <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, but I, I also think that uh, the Corbomite maneuver is the first, yeah, first uh, episode, episode shot filmed for the season. Is season. iconic Star Trek, mm-hmm. it is. and it has all the elements in there that make it fascinating, that make it intriguing, that makes Kirk such a great leader, mm-hmm. that makes the crew so uh, efficient, and the mystery of uh, of space is so all funny. In there. Not the best Star Trek episode, but perhaps the most Star Trek episode ever made. Yeah, the one in that a sense. Shown first. Well, sure. yeah, I mean, it was just the special effects weren't ready. Right. But um, when you look at it, you're right. It has a the you know fear of the unknown, um, the idea that. You know what we don't understand isn't necessarily an enemy. The whole idea that Baylock is fearsome and horrible, but when we really peel back the onion, we find out it's just this little, you know, unthreatening and also, space alien. The love alien story who... between Bailey and Baylock is wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> well, not chess, Mister Spock. Poker. Poker. <laughs> Alexandra, I'm curious to get your take on this. Like, what would be the episode of any Star Trek? Not Wait just... a minute, who's the host here? <laughs> uh, no, I want Chris because I, mean, I want to get your perspective. Well, well, on. Once you say... get him going, there's no stopping him. Well, it's okay. you be careful what you wish for having <laughs> me on the show. I'm. I like starting with Trouble with Tribbles because it's so accessible on so many different levels and for so many different ages, and it's so light too, and it also maintains a very Star Trek feel, and you get a good sense of the actual world. Like Harry Mudd's there, the Klingons are there. Um, Cyrano but... Jones. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, Cyrano Jones. Um, they're kind of conflated in my head. But they're I would very also, similar. <laughs> I would also follow that up with um, Trials and Tribulations from DS9 mm-hmm. because I think like kind of in this age of reboots and reimaginations, that was such a beautiful homage to like for the anniversary. That was such a beautiful homage to Absolutely. the yeah. Trouble yeah. with Tribbles. And they, that classic line where Odo and Worf are sitting in the bar, sitting in the whatever on the space station. And... Case Worf, seven. Ex- yes, thank you. Um, Worf, <laughs> Odo, they're, they're talking about the Tribbles, and Worf <laughs> mentions that the Klingons eventually had a raiding party that went and destroyed the entire Tribble homeworld. And Odo's just like, oh, do they still tell tales of the great Tribble hunt? And it's <laughs> just phenomenal. The Klingons are so extra. And then Worf has to explain that like, we don't speak about it with others because somebody obviously notices, and it's the first time they ever call out the like ridiculous difference between Worf and the other non-ridged Klingons, which I wish they had just left that way yeah. and not tried to explain because that was perfect. I, I got to say, so so Darren and, and Alexander, you both picked Trouble with Tribbles. as a, It's definitely accessible, and I understand completely. It's a gateway drug. What's that? It's a gateway drug. It, 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 it's the gateway drug for, for Star Trek, and I see your point. Why? But if I was going to introduce someone who had never really sat and watched a Star Trek episode or a Star Trek movie before to really like get them, give them a feel for, for the, the broad sense of, of what makes it so great, I would actually not start with Trouble with Tribbles. The reason being because while it is a great episode, it's so beloved by the fans, it's a fan favorite, it's not... 
It's not a typical episode. It, mm -hmm. it is atypical in the sense that there's so much humor to it. Sure. And like Mud's Women, like to a, a, an extent, piece of the action. I love those episodes, but they're they don't they're not like fully representative of Star Trek. I love your choice of Corbomite Maneuver. My choice, my number one choice to give someone a feel for the greatness of Star Trek and by extension, the greatness of James T. Kirk <laughs> is Balance of Terror. That's another excellent choice. The reason being You're an excellent tactician, sir. It 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 is the, the episode does so much. It is uh, a, an allegory for, for Vietnam, for the Cold War. Uh, it is also uh, a, the way it touches on bigotry and racism, mm -hmm. uh, the, the conflict between Kirk and Styles. I love that scene. You know, Styles is just like, oh, give it to Spock. You know, he can, uh, you know, uh, figure it out. And Kirk goes, I assume you're complimenting him on his, on his abilities. And he goes, I'm, I'm not, not sure, sure sir. sir. The way he swings him around. In the navigator's chair yeah. and says, here's one thing you could be sure of, mister. Leave any bigotry in your quarters. There's yeah. no room for it here on the bridge. Yep. Do I make myself clear? And his yeah. like, you, you, you do, sir. You know, yeah. it's just such it's a great episode of that last scene, you know, in a different reality. I could have called you it's friends. A great episode. It is a great it is episode. brilliant. But you know, also, yeah, Doomsday Machine is another great one. I love Mirror Mirror, but again, that's atypical because it's all mostly right. in the mirror universe. Right. But we're here to talk about great Star Trek loves. <laughs> you know, when we think of when we think of Star Trek, we think of you know, space, we think of uh, the final frontier, we think of all these wonderful uh, um, science fiction conceits. You know, someone who's not that familiar with Star Trek may not immediately think of Star Trek as a show that was um, comprised of, of great romantic uh, drama, but in fact it was. And I'd love to hear from each of you, you know, on this Valentine's Day week, what your favorite classic um, Star Trek love story was. Maybe Darren. Let me can. let me jump in. <laughs> um, there are many wonderful love stories. I think the most touching for me is Requiem for Methuselah. If you do not leave voluntarily, I have the power to force you to leave or kill you where you stand. Have you ever seen a victim of Regillian fever? They die in one day. The effects are like bubonic plague. The Enterprise, a plague ship. Last tender encounter, Captain Kirk. Be thankful that you did not attack me, Captain. I might have accepted battle, and I have twice your physical strength. How childish he is, Rainer. Would you call him brave or a fool? I will not be the cause of this. I choose. Crew. Time for you to join your crew. And I know third season is uh, is a bit of a dicey proposition for a lot of people, but I think this is a lovely story of Flint, the immortal, creates this android who is the perfect match for him, the perfect woman for someone who has lived for so long. And only her, only she, is able to be up to his level of a companion. And of course, she has been created so carefully and so um, uh, perfectly that Kirk falls for her big time. Mm -hmm. 
And she didn't need to be created perfectly for Kirk to fall for her. No, that, <laughs> good point. It's it's actually he's been with a couple of imperfect women too. He has, but remember, he has never fallen in love. And I think this is one of the first times that he actually was in love with her before he realized she was an android. Well, I have to tell you, I I actually completely disagree. I mean, but you you know, you are entitled to your opinion too. <laughs> uh, but um I I find that episode very um I, the fact that that Spock wipes Kirk's mind oh, of this entire relationship at the end. I need my pain. What happened? He needs his pain. He thrives off his pain. Kirk's not somebody who needs to have these I think he'd be more concerned about, you know, the fact that he's lost crew members, then he's he's lost a robot companion, you know, that he just met a week ago from that he stole from Mr. Flint. Well, obviously, you, know. you haven't gone through uh, being catfish on the internet. Well, I, I, I think that, by the way, that moment at the end of that episode, I think when, it's a beautiful moment. It's a beautiful moment. He leans in and says, Forget, and then it just cuts to the yeah. end credit there. So, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, that episode was written by Jerome Bixby. Yes. Who did Mirror Mirror, Day of the Dove, yeah. uh, and co-wrote uh, By Any Other Name with DC Fontana? Mm-hmm. So, what I love about that episode is is exactly. I mean, just following your your your, your point, um, that the the only issue I have with that episode really is that you know, unlike other love stories, uh, especially where Kirk either is is with a past love interest, like in like Deadly Years or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, or obviously the uh, Citizen Kane of Star Trek episodes. Yeah, well, look, I don't even want to go there yet because. But well, I'm not going to get into yeah. that episode. But but uh, on Requiem for Methuselah, I just felt that Kirk sort of like sacrificing uh, his love, his 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 career, his his love for the Enterprise. He, the way he just surrenders himself over to this to this android, even after he finds out to that robot she's an girl. android, it just it just um it seems a little too easy and. Uh, sort of betrayed the really inner turmoil and conflict that we've seen him have in in the past. And I mean, I like the third season; it has its merits. And and that the ship episode is, in is danger. Yeah, people are on a colony. If they don't get this Rigelin, 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 whatever. I, I you know I, I got the the uh, the generic sure. version. So um, they, same they, chemical they, makeup. Don't they, worry. It's they, fine. Um, uh, you know, there's so many things that concern him as a captain. Agreed. That Agreed. for him to suddenly become obsessed and get into this cockfight with uh, um, Flint Points. over this robot girl, I, I just think it's it's again no no disrespect to you because you're a cold-hearted you're, man, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I like about it. I, 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 but it's only because I felt strongly about this for many years because I know a lot of people love Requiem for Methuselah uh-huh. and I love the title. Sure. You know, and I love the idea of Flint being all these legendary people like Da Vinci and all these, and I, you know, how how Spock sort of puzzles it out, like when yeah. he realizes who this guy is. Like, there's a lot in there that it's interesting, but I just the Kirk like falling in love with this woman so deeply, you know, based on what there's nothing you know about her that is so compelling. Uh, you, okay, which will lead me into I have to go into my choice to have make this argument, but. You know, my choice is, of course, the, as Scott would say, the Citizen Kane of Star Trek, the city on the edge of forever. Mm -hmm. Now, in the city on the edge of forever, Captain Kirk falls deeply in love with a woman because she shares his values and and his passions and her caring. And there is this, 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 uh, you know, Kirk sees something in her that he's never seen 
in any other woman. She's just not somebody to be a conquest, another notch on his belt. It's someone that he has a real uh, passion, you know, and, and if any time Kirk... Uh, Spock would erase his memory of someone because technically this didn't really happen because it's, you know, time travel and all those things. This would be the moment where I would see Spock wanting to erase because that's real pain. Look, I, I, I totally agree. Um, however, just being devil's advocate a little bit, um, I think that in the episode itself, the reasons for Kirk falling in love with Edith Keeler are not made plain. Oh. Harry, maybe we can catch the Clark Gable movie at the office. I'd really love to see it. You know, Dr. McCoy said the same McCoy. thing. McCoy! Leonard McCoy? Yes. He's in the mission. He's... Stay right here. Spock! Stay right there. What is it? McCoy, he's a... Oh. <laughs> Within well, the episode itself, I, all right, because I, it, I have it goes, to disagree. It goes, it goes from meeting her to taking her to a movie. It's really a Clark quick. Gable movie. What's a Clark Gable doesn't movie. she explain like her entire sort of job and reason for being and why she's doing the things that she's doing? I mean, like, like, like you said, Mark, they share these values, and one and of the she, reasons I like she, that episode is because like he has conversations with her before it ever gets sexual before they ever start flirting she exactly and they, like it's as a woman watching that i'm like oh this is a real person that's right. so nice and it's she not sees this sort of two-dimensional a, 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 the body. future that he lives in decades if not right. centuries exactly before. she has a vision of the future that he's from. And, and and that whole yeah. scene where they're walking down the street and he says one day let me help or replace even i love you right. and i mean that is there's something substantive about that clearly Look, i totally agree I, clearly I the reason that City on the Edge of Forever works. And yes, it is the Citizen Kane of Star Trek episodes because it's a whole lot more than just a love story. And it is the greatest Star Trek episode ever produced across all six shows or seven if you include the animated series, I think. Uh, it's not my personal favorite love story. I'll get to that. But mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to support Mark on City on the Edge of Forever <laughs> and on his relationship with Edith Keeler because of the points you just said. And listen, you know, you, you, sometimes a connection is instantaneous because they are soulmates. Kirk sees him, himself in Edith and she sees herself in Kirk. It is an instant connection. You know, yeah, sure, the, the, the initial uh, attraction was physical, but then it becomes so much more deeper and so much more emotional. And the other brilliance of that love story is that we don't even see we're not even introduced to Edith Keeler until Sister halfway Keeler. through. Sister Edith Keeler, as it says in the credits. Yeah. But we're not even introduced to her until halfway through yeah. the second act. Mm -hmm. And yet she has the rest of act two, act three, and act four to make her mark so that when Kirk makes the ultimate sacrifice to save the future, 
save the enterprise. You feel that you pain, that tragedy, feel it. You that feel sacrifice. It. When he when they go back to the future, and uh, go through the uh, the, the Guardian, uh, time has resumed the shape. So when that happens, and you know Scotty and Uhura, they're they're like so happy to see Kirk, Spock, and McCoy come back through and that the future has been restored. Everything's okay. Mm -hmm. But when Scotty sees the look on Kirk's face, that clenched jaw, he's not even looking anyone else in the eye. You know, Scotty and Uhura, their smiles fade. Like, they're like, okay, what happened? Something happened. And that the impact of that line, let's get the hell out of here, is, I get the chills just thinking about that. And I, I completely agree. You know, and I get the chills even early on when uh, Joan Collins first sees she sees that they're thieves. They've broken into her uh, mission. Mm-hmm. But yet there's something about him that she immediately sees uh, uh, that he's not who he appears to be. Um, and I also think that in this episode, what's so just, you know, absolutely extraordinary, as you said, the character sort of developed in whole cloth in two acts. Yeah. Because she comes in like, but Harlan Ellison would always dismiss it and many, you know for many reasons including the fact that he was so dramatically rewritten but he says oh the ending's bunk you know where uh, Kirk lets her die to me that's what makes it so that's powerful, what makes it so powerful. Yeah. He, he was a hundred percent wrong yeah you know the fact that he has to stop and you know even though uh you know Sp- Spock grabs him but not enough to hold him back Shatter Kirk knows what he needs to do which is to let her get hit by the truck and it is the most painful the most difficult choice he uh, ever made as captain yeah. ever will make as captain and it's another reason and this is a whole other episode why Generations is awful because clearly <laughs> if Captain Kirk could envision anyone in the Nexus it would be Edith Keeler and who would not have wanted to see Joan Collins like roll up on in Generations on a horse like come on that would have been imagine, great can you imagine the impact of that scene especially for, for fans that's um, I. One of the reasons I also like City on the Edge of Forever is that I think it almost sets the tone for Star Trek romance across the rest of the series. Because there's always like, yeah, we want this, but we can't because the show doesn't obviously want to focus on that aspect of things. So there's very. It's not until you get to DS9 that there is a regular relationship between series regulars on a show. Mm-hmm. But before that, you have. I mean, my favorite original series romance, I would say, is the Enterprise incident because Spock and the Romulan commander mm. are. The chemistry is so powerful. Yeah, great I choice. Yeah, so that, but then, um, again, they can't be together because of, you know, obvious reasons. Um, Picard and Crusher, very popular ship on uh, Next Generation. Picard is not, and we see this more in, like, with his relationship with Nella Darren in Lessons, Picard can't compromise his objectivity. That's always the problem. I will die on the hill that is Janeway and Chakotay on Voyager. Um, as, of, like, a 13 to 17-year-old girl, it was my jam. And <laughs> I respect... Um, now more so what Kate Mulgrew insisted initially was that Jane may not be sexualized or at least not be sexualized in excess simply because she was a woman. And so that's kind of one of the reasons they didn't go that direction to my understanding. But there was so much to mine there because like, again, that was almost another perfect, of course they couldn't really have a relationship. They're, you know, marooned in a different quadrant and that could to have the senior stuff sleeping together could seriously complicate things. Um, so it's almost, that's one of the reasons I love romance on Star Trek because we get it doled out in these like, kind of delectable little pieces and it makes it seem so much more exciting but it's also so frustrating because there there are there do always seem to be these barriers that's these insurmountable barriers that stop the people you want to be together from being together you know it's interesting you mentioned lessons because uh that's a really terrific picard romance i know a lot of people say inner light but i i I feel like um in lessons you know again it's a similar thing he has to sacrifice her for the good the common good and it's very difficult and then 
you know, when he has to face her at the end, it's a really terrific, powerful episode, and, and Patrick's great in it, That's and it's a really strong episode. Another frustrating thing for me, specifically with Jamie and Chakotay, but also across the board, is that these actors were so talented. Mm-hmm. And one of my my favorite episode of Voyager, I guess not my favorite favorite, probably it's one that I've seen the most, is Resolutions, because it's the first time in really three seasons you get to see Kate Mulgrew kind of leave the captain-captain persona behind, and she has that Sima Chakotay across the table where he tells her that kind of ridiculous legend about the angry warrior falling in love with a warrior woman, and like clearly it's just about them, and she's like, is that really an ancient legend? <laughs> and there's this intimacy between them that we never get to we so rarely get to see on other episodes because it's militaristic and it's formalized and it's science fiction and it's kind of not about that. But that also in Lessons, even though it's kind of this one-off romance, which I feels like an Alien of the Week kind of thing, they're both so good. Um, Wendy, uh, uh, I forget her last name. Um, oh, yeah. Um, but Wendy and Patrick are so brilliant at, you know, showcasing this believable kind of like sp- several week romance between two people who have things in common and Picard probably just hasn't been confronted with this situation before like I believe that he hasn't been confronted with the situation before as a captain because he keeps himself closed off but it just it works so well and you just want more of it uh, you know I did I did want more of that I, I mean of course I I, I wanted more of, of Picard and Aline from from uh, inner light I mean that is another episode that works uh, across the board not just as a great love story but it's uh, one of the often mentioned as in in one of the top three best episodes of Next Gen. Father, I think I should marry Danik sooner rather than later. Don't you? Seize the time, Maribor. Live now. Make now always the most precious time. Now will never come again. I love you, Father. It's almost like the opposite of Mirror Mirror. Like you get to see what Picard could have been like in his sort of a family man, more emotional self. Absolutely, absolutely, and just you know that just that that I will say the the thing about Inner Light was when Picard was living his other life, they should never have gone back to the bridge of the Enterprise. Like there, sh- they they never oh, they during, have, yeah. during that section during yes. that section during that entire section. I agree. They would have been more effective. If you just played out the rest of the episode, living this alternate life, right. and then this, and then go this back love story, when he goes and back. then go back because then you feel the loss, right. just like Patrick Stewart Picard. You're not just waiting for him to get back. Like, okay, let's when's the, when are we going to get back to normal? Life? I want to get back to the Enterprise incident because you know there are, there are, <laughs> there are episodes where you know as a kid you like more than others, and then as you grow, and then epi- there are other episodes that you, you know, you might like, okay, they're just fine, but then you, with age comes wisdom, and you mm-hmm. have a, a revisionist look at, at uh, the episodes, and I certainly had that with the Enterprise incident, because um, uh, it is a great love story. Uh, the chemistry uh, between Spock and the Romulan commander is great, and their makeout scene with the hands was mm-hmm. very, is very it, I don't even passionate know you call it a love story. It is a sex story, which it's like makes it like, which is so exciting that it's Spock because if anybody is buttoned up and that you want to see let go a little bit, it's Spock. Well, but you, it's how, a, you, you do and you don't a little bit, but it works so well because It's a chance where he gets to use this power that has been yeah. denied to him. Right. Oh, uh, that's true. <laughs> For the Forever. entirety of the show. <laughs> but it's funny because we all talk about these Shatner love stories, but really, if you look at the history of original Star Trek fandom, it was all focused on 
you know, the shippers at the time, you know, who were like uh, the Mary, then it was called Mary Sue, you know, where people would put themselves in the, right. these stories too, were, were, um, uh, were all Spock uh, centric and all those early stuff like Jacqueline Lichtenberg and all these people, they were all obsessed. The, the early fanzines, T negative, they were all obsessed with Spock. So the, the three seminal stories on that show were Enterprise Incident, The Side of Paradise, and of course, not a great episode, but also um, All Our Yesterdays, where it's Marion uh, Hartley. That is a great as, episode. As, well, no, it's not. <laughs> I, I think you see that episode, All Our Yesterdays, with between Spock and Zarabeth. It's really clumsy, Scott. I, I, listen, really what clumsy. about the Salem witch trials? Just, for just a minute. Minutes. Hang on a second. Hang on. In defense of All Our Yesterdays, which is photo witch! novel, witch! photo novel number six. <laughs> you know that. By the way, when he's when she said witch, witch, they'll burn you. Like, that scared me when I was a kid. But see now it that should, episode. He's a terrible actor. That episode is another one. <laughs> That as a kid, I, I wasn't crazy about it. But as a grown-up, uh, I really had a completely different take on it. And I feel like it was the second to the last episode shown from the original series before Turnabout Intruder, which mm-hmm. I despise. And that should have been LR Yesterdays. That should have been the last episode that they shot or that they at least showed because of the title, LR Yesterdays. The the image of the Enterprise speeding away from Sarpedon when the mm-hmm. uh, star goes that supernova. Was that was a great image. And Ian just... Wolf is great as Mr. Ataz. A2Z. A2Z. Yeah. Uh, I, I think uh, R Yesterdays is a very, very good I episode, especially for third season standards. What's that? I have eaten animal flesh and I've, and enjoyed, I've enjoyed it. it. He's never even been to Peter Luger's. <laughs> yeah, Scotty, you there? you got to come aboard now. Beam us aboard fast. You've got to maximum warp. As soon as we're there, Kirk out. Boom. That should have been like, boom, that's it. I'd say uh, the episode's without its 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 merits, but I, I don't I, you know, I don't think that is the classic that some people have It's not the great love story of Star Trek, but it does have its merits. Do you agree? Um, yeah. Alexandra August? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm not the biggest original series expert, but I like all what our are you yesterdays. Doing show? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, can we talk about my favorite? Um, yes. But it, well, well, I wanted to say something before, like when you brought up the sort of the slash fan fiction that kind of begins with Spock and Kirk. I, a lot of people credit just the beginning of shipping as a thing with Spock and Kirk, which kind mm. of makes them pretty special. Um, and the, another wonderful callback. I wanted to bring up about from Trials and Tribulations is that when Jadzia and Cisco first get on the ship and she's mm. like, oh my God, there he is. And yeah. Cisco's oh, like, oh great, yeah, great everyone moment. really liked Kirk. She's like, not yeah, Kirk. <laughs> I can tell he was going to be a doctor because he was great with his hands. Yep. Yeah, it was, oh. It's oh, a yeah, great moment. Yeah. Uh, Terry Farrell is married to Leonard Nimoy's son. Oh, that's son. right. Oh, uh, now that's a great love story. There that makes go. me really happy. Every time I come across something from them on Twitter, I'm just like, there's good in the world. Yep, that was <laughs> that was awesome. All right, I have to say. Okay, Scott, so, so you're, you're chomping at the bit. And then we got to go back to Alexandra because she, she didn't name her episode. But oh, let's, but oh yeah, I thought no, Enterprise no, no, incident. I, go first. Um, well, my original series. Go, you go. No, no, no. You please, please. Okay, please. fine, fine. Now the <laughs> thing Scott, about we know my what you episode, want to say, so let's just. <laughs> I'm just going to cut to the chase. You know now. what it Everyone is. Everyone who's sort of seen me around, maybe, maybe they've seen Watch me at the, the, at the creation uh, conventions, or maybe they saw the Roddenberry Vault. Uh, saw you on a street corner. Yelling. Saw me on a street corner. <laughs> you know, or maybe they were at the comic book store in 1978 when I bought this episode as a photo novel, photo novel number five, which I still have. All 12 of those photo novels in pristine co- condition. The photo novels, those photo novels are the rosebud of my Star Trek collection. Oh my I Just cherish tell us what them. it is. Okay, now, now, okay, here's what I have to say. My episode, unlike yours, unlike all of yours, mm. does not involve a love story. Uh, it, the love story does not involve a key, a key member of of the Enterprise or of of the the, the station or a Voyager. You know, it involves. 
two guest stars. This episode, which aired in the second season, it was the second episode to be shot for the second season, written, written it is a classic Gene Kuhn original screenplay, mm-hmm. directed by Ralph Sinetsky, amazing, beautiful cinematography by Jerry Finnerman, and a gorgeous, gorgeous score by George Dunning, my favorite score of the original series. This episode is Metamorphosis. Companion, you love the man. I do not understand. Is he important to you? More important than anything. Is he... as though he were a part of you? He is part of me. The man must continue. He will not continue. He will cease to exist. By your feeling for him, you are condemning him to an existence he will find unbearable. He will cease to exist. He does not age. He remains forever. You speak of his body. I speak of his spirit. Companion, inside the shelter, a female of our species is dying. She will not continue. That is what will happen to the man. Unless you release all of us. I do not understand. Our species can only survive if we have obstacles to overcome. You take away all obstacles. Without them to strengthen us, we will weaken and die. You regard the man only as a toy. You amuse yourself with him. You are wrong. The man is the center of all things. I care for him. But you can't really love him. You haven't the slightest knowledge of love, the total union of two people. You are the companion, he is the man. You are two different things. You can't join. You can't love. You may keep him here forever, but you will always be separate, apart from him. I were human, there can be love. And what I, there's so much that I love about this episode. For starters, is the way it starts and what happens in the midpoint to flip the episode over into something different. It is basically two different stories that work perfectly together. The first part of the episode, this this energy force, Strands, Kirk, Spock, McCoy, and Commissioner Hedford, played by Eleanor Donahue from Father Knows Best. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A magnificent performance by Eleanor Donahue in this episode. They find Zephyr Cochran, Glenn Corbett, um, and they just think that the companion is an energy force, is a, a monster of sorts. They don't understand it. They got to kill it so they can get Commissioner Hepper back to the Enterprise so that she can be treated for her uh, uh, 
uh, for her disease so she can go off to uh, uh, stop a war on on uh, two other worlds. She's basically Hillary Clinton yep. uh, in that 1967 episode. But then the moment, the moment that you hear the companion's voice with the universal translator and you hear that it is a female, suddenly, immediately, the episode turns into a love story. The score sounds completely different from that point forward. And and it, it is, if you look at the way it starts off one way, you know, they have to kill the sting and then it turns into a love story. It, in some ways it is very similar to the, uh, the flip that we see in Devil in the Dark, which is mm. another Gene Kuhn original mm-hmm. story. Sure. That it starts off one way, they have to kill the Horda and they find out it's a mother and it flips everything over. If you turn Devil in the Dark into a love story, it's metamorphosis. And Eleanor Donahue, the range that she displays in that episode, going from being very, very uh, uh, uptight to uh, uh, really vulnerable, realizing that she squandered her life. And when she turns into the companion, how lovely she is. And just that moment when she holds up the scarf to to see Zephram as the way she'd always seen her, him as the companion, says, I can't go with you. Uh, uh, you know, beautiful and then moment by It's Ralph a beautiful Sinesky, moment. Yeah, it's yeah. a beautiful moment that happened by accident. Mm. Uh, and it just, when you see Kirk trying to reason with the companion, you know, we will cease to exist. You cannot be together. You are too different. You will always be different. Shatner has had great moments in the original series that really showed how how fantastic he was as an actor. Conscience of the King, Balance of Terror, Sitting on the Edge of Forever. But the moments in that episode when Kirk is trying to reason with the companion, I think Metamorphosis is William Shatner's finest hour from the original series. Well, you know, that's a really bold words. And I have to say, it goes back to what you said earlier about this idea that your opinion of Star Trek evolves over time, mm-hmm. uh, much like V'ger, in the sense that, um, <laughs> you know, Metamorphosis was a show when it would come on when I was a kid. It was like, ugh, ugh. And, yeah. you know, and it was like, oh, well, at least the Galileo 7 looks good in this episode, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and, 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 but, you know, as time went on, and particularly in light of your passion for this episode, you know, I revisited it a couple years ago, I think when we were uh, working on the Roddenberry Vault or participating in that wonderful project. Yeah, it was awesome. And, um, and 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 it really is quite a good episode. I don't share your wild bullying enthusiasm, but I do think it's it's a really great episode. It's a terrific love story. Um, um, is great. Glenn Corbett's good as, yeah, as Cochran. Good. Mm-hmm. I, I was always disappointed when James Co- you know, uh, James Cromwell play was re- you know, recast. It was like, oh well, blah, blah, blah. okay, yeah, uh, taking liberties. And, okay. and uh, but uh, but it, it's a wonderful episode. It's a beautiful looking episode, as you said. Yep. Uh, Jerry Finnerman and Ralph Sineski really create this wonderful alien planet. The uh, also. Um, the, the design of the house and the clouds uh, above the, the cloud house. and yep. mm-hmm. just a, it's 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 a really you know to me it's a really solid you know kind of a minus b plus uh, trek episode but i understand your passion and 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 why you find it so special and it, it is a very uh, a very tender love story you know th- this is an episode that i i you know i watch uh, i i always have star trek on in one form or another, whether I'm actually sitting and watching it or I just sort of have it on while I'm doing other things. Um, and that episode, I deliberately watch only once in a very, very great while because I want to always feel mm. 
feel the emotion. Special. I never want to get sick of it. I feel the same way about the about Wrath of Khan at this point. I, I don't want to get sick of it, so I sort Too of stay late. away from it. Yeah. But, <laughs> I, but Metamorphosis, you know, Darren, what do you I, think of that one? I, I enjoy Metamorphosis a lot. Um, not to the degree that you do. Which <laughs> no I one does. I don't think anyone does. <laughs> but I, I, I really love it. Eleanor Donahue is lovely in it, and Shatner is brilliant in it. My only reservations about it mm-hmm. are Glenn Corbett is a little bit wooden. I agree. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with that. He's, he's a little he's bit a little sort step. of yeah. off yeah. kilter. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's not one of the great guest stars of yeah. Star Trek. Yeah. I agree. But he's I, a scientist, I, I an do, engineer. I you know. do enjoy his turn when we do hear that the voice is female mm-hmm. and he he freaks out. Yeah. 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 Right, he right. freaks out about it <gasps> because he doesn't know how to deal with it. Like because a pet. he Yeah. Yeah, uh, he doesn't want to be fodder for some inhuman monster. Two-dimensional, which is you know, parochial. It's right. it, it's very interesting uh, uh, take on it. So, it's also an episode some of our younger listeners may not be that familiar with. You know, who who don't know the original show as well, and shame on you. But um, <laughs> they, they they you know who may know the the classic episodes, you know, the Big Ten, mm-hmm. and you know it's a, an episode definitely worth seeking out if you're not as familiar with it because it is a very uh, beautiful uh, beautiful story. Well, now, just for the sheer like introduction of Zephram Cochran as somebody who's so beguiled by this is really gets to the soul of Star Trek for me as well that. Mm-hmm. Your feelings and what attracts you are not necessarily the things that you would expect. Absolutely, especially yeah, it, when you're out here, exp- like out here exploring this final frontier, changes you as much as we change it, or as much as we explore it. It kind of explores within us as well. It kind of gets to the soul of that idea. Yeah, the end of that episode, the end of Metamorphosis, when uh, you know they they you know get back in touch with the Enterprise, and and you know Scotty's like, I'll be there in 42 minutes. Uh, and then when Zephram and the uh, Commissioner Heffer, the companion, they come back and uh, I can't leave her. Uh, you know, she'll die if I do. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll have a lot of years together and the, and they'll be happy ones. Mm-hmm. And Kirk just says, all the best. Mm-hmm. And they walk away. Oh, we'll find someone to stop that war. Yeah, it's right. such, <laughs> yeah. it is oh, such so a- So much for that war. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's just such a beautiful episode that mm-hmm. when I do watch it, I do get, I, I do feel- like uh, it's like when I watch E.T., I, I feel like it's really gonna like move me to to tears when I do watch it. And no other episode, except maybe I have to say, Return to Tomorrow. Uh, also, Ralph Sinetsky. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, Why Return to Tomorrow? What about Return to Tomorrow en- engages you in that way? The the love story between uh, really uh, 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 Sargon and uh, Lisa. Lisa. Yeah, played uh, by Diana Muldaur. Just that that last scene when they go off into oblivion. Yeah. And again, mm. another beautiful score by George Dunning and really yes. accentuates it. The score for Metamorphosis is so beautiful. A lot of the and, same cues in both. A, a lot of the same cues, yeah. and they also used a lot of the cues from uh, from Metamorphosis in the Apple. Yeah. Another sensitive, uh, you know, there are a lot of sensitive episodes of Star Trek that often get overlooked. Metamorphosis is definitely one right. of them. So, our pick so far for the greatest Star Trek love stories of all time: mm-hmm. Scott Mance, Metamorphosis. I said sitting on the edge of forever. Darren. I said Requiem for Requiem Methuselah. Requiem for Methuselah. Now that brings us to you, Alexandra. Alexander. Greatest Star Trek love story of no all time. No pressure, though. I <laughs> um, So I, I'll go to parse this in an interesting way. My my diehard ship, the ship that I, like I said, will will die on several hills for is Jane Wayne Chakotay. But that's kind of its own episode, to be honest with you, of this podcast. So, um but, I don't think we'll ever be doing that episode, just so you know. Uh, <laughs> On this podcast. That's okay. That's all right. It's all right, though. Well, anyway. When um, you launch the, Vo- the Voyager spinoff, however. <laughs> um, I might be able to get you into this, Mark, but again, that's a story for another time. Uh, um, 
I have a lot to say about it. Um, but really, actually, when I think about, there's not a lot of episodes for Jamie and Chakotay. There's a lot of like me looking at, they touched hands right there, and that's what that means. Okay, that's what that means. <laughs> and so not, I'm going to kind of put a pin in them for a minute. But really, when I think about episodes, or because I'm going to mention two, that move me and also really kind of bring out different sides to certain, bring out different sides to certain characters and really kind of are ahead of, ahead of their time and I think very representative of Star Trek and are just good episodes are on their own, are the Worf Kaler episodes, mm. Emissary and Reunion. Yep. Yeah, um, great, great choices. I rewatched them, I want to say like a year, a year and a half ago and forgot how moving these two could make the strangest sex ritual I've ever seen. <laughs> work like I mean if you could recall like they fight in the holodeck and then like they sort of perfunctorily realize okay well I guess it's time we're doing this and they take off their gloves and then they like hold hands together until he crushes her nails into her palm and she starts bleeding and I guess that's them mating ish Um, but then like they deal with the fallout of that and then of course, I guess somehow that makes her pregnant. <laughs> and she comes back in reunion and Alexander is there. And in two episodes, Michael Dorn and Susie Plaxon create this amazingly tactile and just almost, um, I'm not sure what the word I'm looking for is, uh, I don't know, you can almost feel it. It's almost like a physical presence, their backstory and the chemistry and the love, they clear, the passion they clearly still have from each other, which is so representative mm-hmm. of just Klingon culture in general. The fact that they're both kind of fish out of water where they are, where she accepts herself a little bit more and Worf doesn't is a really good analog, I think, to anybody from mixed ra- like mixed race backgrounds trying to run around in this world and be- like meeting other people of mixed race backgrounds who have been allowed to be more comfortable with themselves. So there's just, there's so many layers to that story. And then... When she dies, it is heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. I mean, yeah, very powerful. I loathe the Duras family and will forever. I want to see them. Like, there's nothing good has ever come out of House Duras. I don't care what. And just the idea that Alexander's there, and I'm, um, I don't want to mention this. Every I, um, my my dad died when I was younger, and seeing him as a little kid, just see his father erupt in emotion mm-hmm. and run and like get scared by it and just run away to the other room. I even as a as a little kid, I just remember relating to that feeling so much. And as much as I enjoyed Worf and Jadzia because I thought it was a really fun relationship mm-hmm. to have on DS9, and it was right. nice to have two series regulars again together. Their wedding was awesome. Um, I don't think they ever held a candle to the chemistry between Kalar and well, Worf. Certainly not Worf and Troy. Which was just bizarre. That was bizarre. I was, yeah, I'm not as mad at Worf and Troy as I was mad as I was as mad about Chakotay and Seven and Endgame. I have not rewatched Endgame <laughs> solely because of Chakotay and Seven. I am still angry about it, and I, I don't care. I love that choice. I mean, I I feel that whole Klingon arc is so great, and people forget how powerful that moment was when she's killed, and just how loathsome the Dur- Duras family was, and how much you wanted to see them get their comeuppance, and how frustrating it was that they got the power in the Empire. You mean they didn't treat yeah. Klingons like just the bad guys? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and that all, yeah. also that yeah. whole there was arc so with Kim Jack and Worf's discommendation and yeah. Worf's family, all of that was so well drawn. I'm not, I'm not the the biggest Klingon fan, if only because I feel like they've just been kind of terminally overused. Um, but this is some of my these are some of my favorite Klingon episodes because you get into the politics. They get way more kind of depth and um, uh, they they get far more depth in terms of just their political inner workings. Mm-hmm. And you see like you just get to see more aspects of them, which I think is a huge treat. And I love Kim Peck, <laughs> <laughs> love him so much, and I love love that he names Picard. This guy, I, I, I could go on, but um, <laughs> also too, I love that Kalar is. 
a woman who walks on the ship and like arrives in a coffin and she's like, hi, what's up? And starts to immediately needle wharf. She is not intimidated by anything. She is, she gets killed because she goes right up to Duras. She's like, you traitor. Uh-huh, 100% yeah. you are. What the hell? I just found out. And then she kind of doesn't think the fact that Duras is a traitor and a murderer and like nothing's going to stop him from killing her literally on the ship. But then when you see Worf just no holds barred walk o- like walk over and kill him immediately. Mm. To Picard's like That's great. This is great choices. I'll tell you, you know, surprisingly for a show that often could be very chaste, there are some great next generation love stories. One of the ones I love, which is very early in the run, and and people tend to dismiss season one and two was in uh, one zero zero one zero zero one, oh, yeah, which yeah, was right. Riker's involvement with Minuet, where the binars create sort of the perfect woman to distract. Riker oh, you mean the like Requiem for Methuselah? No, but but but, <laughs> but no, 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 it's no, not the, the thing that you argue with no, me no. about. Let, let me and tell yet you, a holograph wrong, girl is. Okay. I'll tell you why you're wrong. Because <laughs> here's the thing. There was not life and death circumstances. First of all, they they created someone specifically to entice him. Secondly, they were refitting the Enterprise. There was no stakes. So he could play trombone, and that's not a euphemism. He was literally <laughs> yeah. playing trombone. And um he, and, and, and they were you know, so it was completely to me a realistic love story. But and it was also about him coming to realize that, you know, f- the fantasy woman is is not real. You know that this he thing realized that con- a couple more times. Yeah, well, that, that's 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 for sure. Maybe that was Tom Riker. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, look, he was the most uh, cut in the most Kirky and mauled. And I will. I remember the first time I was ever on set was for too short a season. That first season, they just shot the Edo Planet episode, mm-hmm. which was Justice. You know, where they're right. running around in these little the underwear, barely yeah. there underwear. And I remember, I remember this day, and it's it's freaking thirty years ago. Nice planet. Fra- Frakes Frakes said to me when I'm, I was on my first set visit, he said. Man, we love the Edo planet. You should have been here last week. <laughs> and, and it's funny because, you know, 25 years later, I was, you know, working with him in, uh, on TV. He was directing a couple episodes of mine, and, um, and we were still talking about the Edo planet. <laughs> Don't break any plants on the Edo planet. Yeah, Everything right. else no, is fine. No, can I do an honorable mention? Oh, please, please. Okay, I want to do honorable one too, though, <laughs> yeah. All right, you know, everyone sort of like dumps on the third season. And there are some bad episodes in the third season. I just avoid them. I don't watch them. I just watch the ones that I really love. And another great love story. This one does involve a key figure of the Enterprise, the Paradise Syndrome. That episode with Kirk and Miramani, yeah. uh, it was the only episode of the third season that was shot on location yeah. because the budget was cut so severely. Uh, you know, We talked about this in your, your book, 50-Year Mission, uh, yeah. mission yeah. about how you know you got a ship full of 428 people, but a lot of times it just looked like Kirk, Spock, and McCoy were the only ones on the Enterprise. But I digress. But yeah. I just love very quiet that last like, season. Just like um, in Inner Light, how you see... Picard sort of live out a life. You see Kirk live out a life uh, where he's he's happy. He's truly happy. I mean, he doesn't remember uh, his life. He doesn't remember. He sees faces. He he said in the dreams that he was talking about to Miramani, uh, Sabrina Scharf. And this was, you know, uh, she was pregnant with his kid. There was going to be, so you know, 
David uh, Marcus was going to have a half brother or a half sister. Um, sure, wasn't the only one. And uh, you know what? Maybe maybe there are other offspring of Kirk out there in the galaxy in the twenty third century whole show. and beyond. They send out the searcher to find all the kids. The searcher. Kids. Oh my God! You're going I'm second Kirk. season, Buck Rogers. How dare you? You would need Cerebro to find um, Kirk's children. Again, um, you know the Paradise Syndrome. Uh, a, a great score. I think it's a Gerald Freed did the score for that one. Beautiful. Um, beautiful and beautiful. Uh, it is a beautiful score. It is a beautiful story. I, um, I love the the um, the glyph, the pyramid. Whatever. Oh, the the obelisk. The obelisk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it's a it's a terrific episode. Too bad that wasn't the first episode that they showed for the third season. That could have changed things considerably. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, no, I think it would have. I think people would have uh, uh, felt like, okay, that was really good, unlike Spock's was brain. It? Was, but, it brain? But, was it really? <laughs> but no, Paradise Syndrome is, is often overlooked. So is another third season episode for The World is Hollow and I've Touched the Sky. Uh, not a great episode, but a very good one. And from McCoy. McCoy. Love story, story from McCoy. McCoy yeah. yeah, love story from McCoy. Um, I need to give an honorable mention because I can't let any Star Trek discussion of romance go by without mentioning Sub Rosa. It haunts her in her sleep. Beverly. A terrifying presence who wants her soul. Stop it! And will kill anyone who stands in his way. We'll be together. Always. Now, will his seductive power take possession of Dr. Crusher? I'm leaving Starfleet. Or can she escape his deadly clutches? Come on, Beverly, we've got to get out of here. Next time on Star Trek The Next Generation. Ah, oh, I was wondering if someone was going to bring that well, up. Well, you said the word chase, and I was like, hold the phone. Not that one episode where we essentially watch Beverly. Okay. I don't, I don't, like, uh, what, how, how did that get, that, I feel like that deserves its own episode of how did this get made? Because seriously, it is, the concept <laughs> is kind of low-key abusive. And then B, we're watching mom, like, you know, in front of, like, on our PG screens. It was just like, almost like the game as well, um, where you see people, we understand what the game does. The game, like, hits your sexual pleasure center. So the Enterprise, everybody's walking around literally getting, like, that part of their brain tapped while they're on duty and intent forward. And Everyone's in walking around with an O face. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. I'm sorry. Like I swear a lot. So I, I the only the way the only way I could think to express that was was not not uh, clean lyrics, but um, office space baby. But yeah, I, I any thoughts on Sub Rosa? Because I still just kind of every once in a while I'll watch it just for fun and my jaw hangs. Uh, I mean, you know, Brandon had been reading a lot of Henry James, <laughs> and it's Brandon. And, you know, the seventh season, they were doing some really gonzo stuff. I mean, you look at the one where they're turned into Neanderthals and Genesis. There's Rascals where they're turned into kids. I love, that was directed okay, by Rascals Adam Nimoy. a classic episode. And, and, and look, yeah. I, Rascals is better than it has any right to be, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and they were trying some really out there stuff. And Sub Rosa is part of that. Um, it had Duncan Rieger from V. Yes. Uh, it was a bizarre episode. And I mean, the masks, man zombie is, like holding up out of the coffin. I would watch <laughs> Sub Rose a hundred thousand times over having to watch masks again. I'm just fair. Just, what yeah. about Dax fair. and Lenara from DS9 rejoined? Oh, right, that was sure. Beautiful. That was yeah, that's, beautiful. That's really great. Um, a great. Uh, that great is absolutely has to be mentioned in one of the great love what's, stories. What's um Susan? What's her name? That was act- season four and Susanna Thompson. Thank you. Yes. I yes. love. She later played the Borg Queen. Uh, she initially, I'm sure you know that she initially auditioned for the film like for First Contact and mm-hmm. wasn't cast. And I loved that they brought her on because I think she makes a much better televised. 
Bork well, queen. Well, she played Romulan. She played the Bork yeah. queen in Voyager briefly. She didn't she um, played a lot of different characters? Didn't she also play an alien who had a forehead like this? Well, they all did. Yeah. They yeah. all no, did. I, like, point yeah. I think yeah. Scott Michael Mann's Westmore. Did. Michael Westmore really had fun with the foreheads. Yeah. <laughs> Look, before well, before before we close this off, I, I just want to say something about Captain Kirk. And, Say something. And his, his relationship with Enterprise. women. Oh, okay. <laughs> Pretty much, except for the last one that we see, all of his exes love him. Still. Oh, the last one. All of his That's exes true. are friends Rude with him. And, and in uh, court martial. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Deadly uh, years. All of them. Mm-hmm. To his they, face. He, he respects <laughs> them and they like him. So he has, he is not this Lothario that has been portrayed in popular media. Mm-hmm. He doesn't go bedding all the women in the universe. Well, what about the, um, in uh, Drusilla, in, uh, in Friend Circuses? Does she still like him? Of course she does. Okay. Why like, wouldn't she? Why Kirk wouldn't she? Like, she had a fun night with him. Yeah. A likable, charming guy. And I do think that he's gotten this reputation for being almost a Bond-esque womanizer. Yeah, but, but which he I don't never like that. Yeah, I don't know that he... I think it's... I don't know that he deserves it. I just think... I think that... I feel like the reason that happens with Star Trek is because at the same time as you have Kirk being this charming guy who's really flirtatious... We also have women in the military wearing go-go boots and miniskirts. So it's I think people sort of conflate those two concepts and place this frustration onto Kirk because he's this human manifestation of it when in fact he's just kind of this guy and like who clearly enjoys women and doesn't want to settle down because he can't. He's a military commander and doesn't and That's like he doesn't right. clear, and like he And he does, loved women and he treated them as equals well, and never yeah, looked yeah. down at them with, Except, yeah. with disrespect when, and when you look at how charming he can be, you got to look at the conscience of the king. Mm-hmm. Uh, worlds may change. Galaxies disintegrate, but a woman, a woman always now, remains a woman. <laughs> she does not still like Captain Kirk. No, Lenore no, Carinian, wherever she's bad. Arkham Asylum. Uh, but he felt bad. He felt bad. You he really did, did care bad. about he him. Did, he did you? care about her. He, you're he, not going to give me an he answer. Are you? He loves too deeply because you know you have the yeah. It's, that's absolutely right with Lenore Caridian. Even though she was cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, he still at the end of it. We Cared felt about really terrible mm-hmm. about about the whole. And by thing. the way, Barbara Anderson, great performance. Oh, it's so great. We yeah. talked about this on a previous episode, Star Trek Villains, and uh, how great Lenore uh, Caridian and Barbara Anderson was yep. in that in that role. Um, other honorable mentions before we call uh, one quick um, honorable mention, but you go first. Uh, sorry, <laughs> um, workforce on Star Trek Voyager. Um, it was a kind of like an Interlight esque sort of concept, whereas the uh, some of the crew of Voyager are essentially subsumed by the society who reworks their gives them fake memories and fake identities so that they can be part of their workforce because mm. they just need workers. It's kind of a silly premise, but it allows them to explore different sides of their personality. And Captain Janeway is just this woman who goes to work, punches a clock, does not have this incredibly huge responsibility weighing on her. And she meets this guy named, I want to say it's Javin or something. Um, I didn't love this episode because they did not use the obvious opportunity they had to get Janeway and Chakotay together when they didn't remember <laughs> each other. But it was a really wonderful, I told you I will die in this so many times. So You've got to let it go. Don't you tell me to let go. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what I'm, I'm going to um, throw out. Oh, sorry. Uh, really, uh, really quickly. But it, you get to see they have these great intimate scenes with her and this guy. They move in together and she just has this kind of perfect little relationship and then eventually she comes back to her ship and he can't stay and it's just this one instance of Janeway having an actual believable romance and you get mm-hmm. to see what she would have been like at home with Mark or, you know, this other side to her that we so, that we just never got to see which was right. so gratifying. 
Well, I, I'm going to throw out something really crazy, which is Star Trek Four, because I love the fact oh, that, I love that. that yep. I you know, know Shatner, or Kirk, I keep saying Shatner, but Kirk, you know, tries to hit on Catherine Hicks, and uh, she shoots him down. Yeah. And, you know, he's not Les Moonves. He's not like, I'm not going to get you that job at the 23rd Century Aquarium because you won't sleep with me. He's like, you know, just, oh, well. It's great. <laughs> I guess I'm getting galaxy. older. <laughs> See you around the, the galaxy. The charm isn't working the way it used to. But, you know, it's like he takes his shot he and he respects her. the fact that he she has no her. interest in him whatsoever. I'm going to throw she's out. She's interested okay? in the future. You want, you, I, I'm, I'm afraid, almost afraid with the, uh, I don't I know how people feel about the J.J. movies, but I loved the twist with the romance between Spock and Uhura in Star Trek 2009. It's funny. Yeah. I loved it. I liked it too. I have- Good a, twist. You know, Surprise. Clearly I have worked. certain problems with the J.J. movies. That is not one of them. Good. I yeah. love the fact that they did something completely unexpected, yep. but it's completely not unexpected original. Because there was some chemistry between Uhura and Spock on the original show. Uh, the yeah. Man Trap. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah, yeah uh, she was flirting with him. Yeah, I, it was great. It was a great way to give Zoe more to do, to show a different side of Uhura, a different yeah. side of Spock. I can well, think of no one more, in general too, more like qualified just, Miss Uhura. <laughs> I think it's tough for people who are not massive, massive fans of the show and really plugged into all the nuances of Vulcans, but I think it's tough for people to be like, they have no emotions, how do they have relationships and fall in love? Yeah, like, not... well, Spock is There are plenty of half uh, half relationships then, but... where one side of the relationship had no emotions. <laughs> you know? True, true. But why is that desirable? Um, but so it's, I think it also allows you to see like how this does work, how Spock would have had a relationship and how frustrating that would have been for someone like Uhura who is so right. passionate. Like the things that attract them are also the things that frustrate them and they've kept that tone pretty consistent throughout the movies which I think has been that's a really well interesting uh, point Scott I, I, I think that's a great great but edit. I do think in those movies it was done inappropriately well when they're fighting when they're going on the Klingon planet and they're yeah. arguing about their relationship it's very unprofessional yeah, that was but, really oh, conceptually it's, it's dark, you're, you're talk, now you're getting into, into darkness I'm talking no. about Star Trek 2009 <laughs> well let's get it's out of darkness and, let's get out of darkness and we're, we're out of time and wish everybody a very very happy Valentine's Day we hope that uh, you'll be spending it with someone you love or even like a little bit <laughs> um, and uh, if not thank you for spending it with us because we love our fans and uh, we're so glad that you chose to join us again here on the show. And Go we're so happy to have commander. two wonderful guests this week having the great, uh, you know, Alexandra, it was such a great to have you because there's no one on the show who's ever shipped Chakotay and Janeway. So it's great to actually have someone who feels you that guys are passionate in the minority. about it. Are we? And uh, that, <laughs> yeah. that's so cool. And, uh, you know, I love to see the side of the show. And then Scott Mass, at last, we finally lured you in much like uh, the Orions uh, in Journey to Babel. And uh, it's, it was great having you. I hope you'll come back. I will absolutely be back. Thanks for having me. And it sure is great. And what an honor. And Alexandra, always great talking with you. Absolutely, you Darren, too. Mark, always great talking Star Trek with you, especially when we could do it in an official capacity official. like this. Yeah, official, the official <laughs> capacity. Well, I want to remind you, you can follow Inglorious Trek experts on Twitter and Instagram at Inglorious Trek, as well as on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Inglorious Trek, where you can continue the conversation by suggesting future show topics and give us feedback on every episode. In addition, if you like what you hear, please rate us five stars at Able Podcast. Not three stars, not four stars, five stars. There are five stars. 
<laughs> you can hear new episodes of Inglorious Trexperts every Sunday, wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're a fan of Star Trek Discovery, don't miss out on our all-new podcast, Disco Nights, with host Chase Masterson and special guests every week, including Alexandra August, who was recently on the show, and I'm sure she'll be back soon, uh, with new episodes premiering every Thursday night. And there's a love story we didn't talk about, Shazid Latif and uh, Sonequa. And, of course, uh, the, the relationship between uh, Stamets and uh, Wilson Cruz as well. Oh, yeah. I really feel like that should probably should have been my honorable mention because that's such a great depiction. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, yeah. And uh, finally, a very special thanks to uh, Bill Ritter and Nally Miscali and everyone here at Electric Search Network for making the show possible. We couldn't do it without them. Couldn't do it without you, our audience. So until next week, on behalf of Scott Mance, Alexandra August, and the great Darren Docterman, keep on trekking and gloriously, of course. Shh. Engage. This podcast is a production of the Electric Surge Network.